Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. You're very welcome back. Tom Dunn standing in for Sean today on the McCreef Show and it is time for Movies and Booze. For our panel today, Serena Bellissimo, Dean McGuinness and Deirdre Malumbi. You're all very welcome. Lovely to see you Hello. all. Hello. Um, what two films have we got this week? We are looking at Napoleon. Now this is actually out uh, next week but we were just so excited that we wanted to talk about it I'm this very week. excited. Yes, uh, Ridley Scott directs. People would know him as the director of Gladiator, Alien, Blade Runner, you name it. So obviously a lot of anticipation uh, for this uh, movie which is bringing the Life of Napoleon Bonaparte onto the big screen. Whacking Phoenix is playing the lead role. You have me at Whacking Phoenix. Yes. You know, honestly, the posters of him ever, he just looks like this is the part he was meant to play. Brooding. Magnificent. Very brooding, yeah. And very akin to, people will probably remember his uh, turn as Commodus in Gladiator. And I think we're going for that kind of feel with uh, this movie as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of anticipation around this one. And you've got Vanessa Kirby, who's playing the love of Napoleon's uh, life, uh, Josephine. Uh, she'd be known as, uh, she played Princess Margaret in the first couple of series of The Crown. And oh, she also The got Crown it. used to be good. Remember that, lads? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like The Crown? Ah, the good old have, days. Have you watched this final season? No, but we've heard enough about it, I'll tell you. The I've ghost watched all of four episodes. And? Um, they've taken a lot of liberties well, with yes. the storyline. Yeah. But it is, I wondered, sorry, we've just gone off track. That's all right. It's a very hot topic. <laughs> I just wonder, like I was watching it going, oh, it, it feels horrible. And I was getting goosebumps thinking, I know how this is all going to end. And then... To think, how are Harry and William? I know they probably Harry uh, William has said he's not going to watch it. There's rumours that Harry may be watching it, but that's got to be odd watching your life, your mum's death mm. play out on screen. It's yeah. just I don't know. Well, that's the that's only that's nothing compared to what's been said about it. Believe you me, the worst ending since Game of Thrones. Uh, some people are saying. Well, it's. Oh, God. Yeah, yes, that's how well that's going. Serena, just so you know, um, well, we might talk more about that. We're going to have a nice beer this week, Dean, isn't we, aren't we? Are, we have some fruity beers. So uh, Moosehead Breweries in uh, Canada are doing a small batch series of beers. And the two beers that we're uh, tasting today are for, from their small batch scratch series. So they're beers that... The recipe is developed completely from scratch, brand new creative beers. Uh, we've got a raspberry wheat ale and a blueberry ginger blonde ale. Sounds like beer for children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think probably targeted at my level of maturity <laughs> is probably what <laughs> the thing. No, beautiful flavours, but uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how, how Serena, Serena reacts because there's nice fruit flavours, but Serena's very much anti-beer, so I'm trying to work out the beer. I, well, I yeah. can't drink it because I'm a celiac anymore, but I've never liked beer. I don't even like the gluten-free beer. It's just got a tart taste. I don't know taste. what to say. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> One of life's great pleasures, I would have said. Have you all, okay, this is the question I need yeah. to ask. And you need to be truthful. Yes. Have you always liked beer or have you trained your tongue and your taste buds to like it over time? I have trained my tongue and my and taste that's buds. What it is. Yes. Just as like the just way I've like, trained just my Just like I have trained, trained my tongue and taste buds to like blue cheese. I yes. Like blue cheese. Oh, I, tr- I trained like myself to cheese. read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I saw life. things in life I, need, I knew I needed to know. <laughs> I, I balked at the beer. I just went, I can't. Yeah, and no, I can remember very uncomfortable times drinking a harp lager. Oh, yeah. Oh, they were grim old days. Mm. They were and grim. What made you keep going? So this Maturity. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it, it all works out at the end. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I know it's really you've loads of stories for us what this do you week. Want to start with? Well, I was seeing, you know, I like to look at the Oscars and the Taylor, I like what, what Bradley Cooper has done, but I'm very taken by Beyonce because she's going to move into the sphere. Well, well, they're saying she's going right. to move into the sphere. The sphere. The sphere we're talking about is the sphere in Las Vegas. You can tell us about that. What was I it actually like? can't. I was, I was just hoping you'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you brought it up. I was sitting here saying, Tom, don't say you were there. Don't say you were there. Go on. But, what, but if I'm asked. Like? Yeah, it's, it's mind-blowingly 2.3 billion dollars yeah. spent on it. Can you see it? Like, how can anybody see 2.3 billion dollars? No. <laughs> Um, but that said, by comparison to a well-known children's hospital, m- maybe you can see it. Yeah. Um, it's it's stunningly um, impressive. I mean, it, when you're when you're flying in, you see it from the air, and it looks amazing. And they have the graphics on it of of you two and the baby and all that kind of stuff. And then when you arrive at it inside, um, it's it's just it's slightly there. It feels more normal. It feels like inside three arena. It's it's really yeah. There's there's great beer outlets charging you ninety three dollars for four beers. Uh, yeah. That's what you're saying no to the beer, right? Oh boy, yeah, you regret your taste then, I'll tell you. <laughs> All right, should have stuck to the lemonade. And, um, but then when you go in for, to the auditorium, that's where it just all bets are off. And, and there are moments in that auditorium that I will take with me to the grave. They were wow. so impressive. Yeah, there's one point where the entire auditorium disappears and you now feel you're standing in Vegas with nothing between you and it. So the gra- they create this graphic of what is actually behind them. And then as you're literally asking yourself, is this for real? It starts to be dismantled by cranes and returns to the desert. So they're now standing in the original desert of Las Vegas. And then they start into where the streets have known. And you think, I just got chills. I'm telling you. Like nothing else. Well, so that's the space Beyonce wishes to occupy. Yeah, because you two are there um, until the 18th of February. So at the moment, they don't have anyone else slotted in, which is crazy to think because you'd think a show that is going to be in the sphere, needs some time to get its its visuals together and stuff. Because at the moment, um, it was reported that the sphere has actually lost $98.4 million in the financial quarter leading up to September 30th. Yeah. We have to remember it, it's just started. So if someone like Beyonce is to go in there, now we don't know if she's been asked. There's rumours going around that Tina, her mum and her manager and her husband Jay-Z have both done separate tours of the Spear. So she would be ready to play there. I mean, she had her great Renaissance tour. Um, the Ren- Renaissance tour is coming to cinemas in December. Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. you know, what a way to follow it up by playing at the Sphere in February. She'd and need a show, residency. though, to go with it because it's it's not just because you have this huge enveloping screen. You have to have graphics and, and displays and all these things that there where the money was spent. And that's why I'm shocked that, you know, you two are finishing up on the 18th of February. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to extend. But you'd think you'd have a second person lined up by now because it would take months to put stuff like that together. the Eagles. That doesn't excite me. No. Like, I don't think they're going to make up the $98.4 million that they're losing. Yeah. Um, Vegas residencies are for artists who are past the peak of their career. Beyonce doing this here would be a mistake. She had the biggest tour last year and has a movie coming out in December. She shouldn't perform there. But Gaga did it. Gaga did it recently. Adele's done it. Um, Kylie is doing her residency there now. You know, um, it used to be. It used to be where stars went to live out the rest of their lives. Yeah. But, you know, now it's not. It's almost like a, a stamp, a badge of approval. But it's such a different show. It's yeah. just such a show, you know. I don't think anyone thinks uh, you two are past their peak by any stretch. And, and you're not there for years on end like, you know, Elvis was. 
Yeah. The residencies are short and sweet. Like um, Adele's, uh, Adele is done yeah. now. You know, Kylie will be done in a few months. Um, you two will be done. So, no. Very good. Watch this space is all we can say. And um, we're going to move on to our first beer, Dean, um, which is going to be, now I know you've, you've, you, you passed me copious notes on fruit. <laughs> um, I feel, I know more about fruit now than I... Than you ever wanted to know. Yes, than most yeah. people in the world know. I, I was at a, an event one time and there was a guy who was uh, tasting beer and his wife was looking at him uh, as if to say, you know, you've had enough now, let's let's move on. And he was like, but dear, it's one of my f- five a day, it's a fruit beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his healthy, his healthy thing. Yes. The funny thing about five a day is that it varies depending on the country. Um, in some countries it's seven, some countries it's nine, some countries it goes up to 11. And they set it based on what they think they'll get away with the population. Because if you have more, uh, like limiting yourself to five isn't necessarily a good idea. You can have more fruit and vegetables than right. five in a day. Sounds like uh, colour-coded warning systems on the weather, may I say. <laughs> yes, depends where you are. Yep, yep. Okay. So this is a raspberry wheat ale uh, from Moosehead Small Batch. It's number 73 in their Small Batch series, which is a uh, scratch series, which is to say that they have developed 72 other individual recipes for beers. They're just uh, keeping on doing really creative, really interesting things. Um, with this, the base beer is an American wheat ale. And uh, then you have, obviously, it, it makes life very easy when you've got a raspberry wheat ale because you're going to know that it's raspberry that uh, you're tasting. And one of the things that can be a little bit complicated in detecting a fruit flavour is that if you don't know what fruit flavour you're looking for in the beer, the colour of the beer, in this instance, it's a golden beer, it doesn't give you any clues. Um, so your brain has to decipher what it is that you're you're picking up. Uh, if you bite into a raspberry, you know that you're biting yeah. into a raspberry. So uh, with this, the fact that they're calling it a raspberry wheat ale gives you that impression. And that that actually really helps your brain, does it? It does, yeah. yeah. Your brain it, is literally looking for visual cues to the smell. Your, your brain, uh, yeah, like uh, depending on the country, um, if you've got something that's red, people will taste it as raspberry, but also if you've got something as blue, but it depends on the country because uh, some countries have soft drinks that are blue raspberry soft drinks. So you'll associate the colour blue with raspberry. Other countries don't have blue raspberry soft drinks, so they won't associate the blue with raspberry. Um, But yeah, what has to happen is your brain needs to have a picture of the picture that is coming into your um, body through your nose uh, in terms of that flavour to match up with it so that it makes sense. And if that idea is suggested to you, then your brain kind of brings that picture to the forward. Front. God, you live and learn. I'll tell you, there's so much more than beer going on here today, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, lovely, um, kind of very full on raspberry aroma, uh, you know. And, yeah, definitely uh, has that. You're not having one now. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that develops then. There's, um, because the base beer is an American and wheat ale. There's a little bit of bitterness in the beer, so it's it's 18 IBUs, not very high, about the same level of about Heineken um, in terms of bitterness. I know, Serena, you were saying that you, you don't like it to begin with. Um, you might be you've allergies to it and stuff, but have you tried it? No, I, I can't try it, but I can smell it. Right. And it smelt, you know, you, you said your brain takes you somewhere. As soon as I smelt that, I went to a red or a blue 
uh, wicked, like those Alco Pops. Yeah. It, it smells amazing. And that's what came to my head when yeah. you were describing the blue raspberry yeah. flavor. I was like, I remember those wicked blue days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, as the only person who's tasting it with you, Dean, um, it's absolutely gorgeous. It, is it, nice. it exceeded yeah, my wildest expectations. It's beautiful. They've done a, a really nice job. It? Yeah, there's, there's a nice kind of a, a bitter kind of background to it. And then a bit of that bitterness combines with the red fruit. So you get kind of strawberries and strawberry pips in the flavour as well. And then because it's a wheat ale, uh, American wheat ale is a style. It's a style that developed in uh, the States in the 1980s. They wanted to brew beers like German Hefeweiss beers, but they didn't have access to Hefeweiss yeast at the time. And Hefeweiss yeast is a very specific yeast. It it, uh, develops um, typically um, a banana fruit flavour and sometimes other soft fruit flavours and then also a clove uh, flavour. Um, so they didn't have access to that type of yeast. So they used American ale yeast, which didn't develop the clove flavour and got some fruit out of the American ale yeast and then did a wheat beer based on that. So that's the base beer for this. Use a little bit of... Where can I get that? Thing. It's uh, independent off-licences. So around Dublin, Redmond's, uh, um, Martins in Fairview, uh, Lander Wines in Hibsborough. Yeah. Yep. Great. Big thumbs up from me. A bit more reaction on you two. You two are well past their peak. They are legends in their own minds these days. <laughs> Tom, the general consensus around the world is you two are well past their peak. It's only in Ireland people seem to think otherwise. I just want to say a few words in defence of you two. Uh, that show is amazing. Uh, it's like no other show I've ever seen. Um, Bono's book was great. The One Man Show was great. And the film they did with David Letterman was great. If that's past your peak, where are the rest of us, lads? Honestly. When you said you two are past the peak, I thought you were talking about the two of us that were talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're on the beginning, Dean. I know, yeah. We're on the beginning. Um, <laughs> Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. Let them think they have the higher ground. Send in the infantry, take their position on the higher ground. Monty Python-esque that now, may I say. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Ridley Scott would appreciate that comparison. <laughs> Just loads of mad screaming and shouting. Yes. Yeah, they're coming from the hills. <laughs> so, well, there are no coconuts in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if they just replaced all the horses? No, not quite. Um, Now, to be honest, I think it sounds great. I love all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, action and and excitement and big dramatic battle scenes. I love all that. Mm -hmm. And lots of romance too. There's a lot of emphasis on the um, romantic relationship between uh, Napoleon and Josephine in this movie. And it's definitely one of the aspects of the movie I enjoyed more. Um, I think Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby are great in this. They share really good on-screen chemistry and they always keep you guessing as they're kind of these shifts 
of power in their relationship. You're always wondering just how in love are they really and is he more in love with her or vice versa. So it's it was really quite interesting to watch that uh, relationship and if you kind of know your story um, that relationship does eventually you know kind of start to unravel and everything and that's quite heartbreaking to watch. But other aspects of the movie weren't as strong unfortunately and when you think of Ridley Scott you know this is a director who's led a very long career. He has had, you know, some incredible successes, you know, huge, iconic movies, but he's also had a number of flops. When it comes to kind of how good this movie is in terms of his overall oeuvre, I would say it probably ranks somewhere in the middle. It's a disappointed fine. now. I was a bit disappointed watching this movie as well. It is quite long. We're looking at um, about two hours, 40 minutes. And I can see Serena Bellissimo is after my own heart. We both love 90 minutes long features that is the perfect length of a movie so whenever we hear that it's getting over that two hour mark we are both equally filled with a sense of dread Um, I mean you kind of need that amount of movie of course because you're looking at the you know life of the legend here in terms of um, Napoleon but I mean the pacing of it is kind of weird and what they decide to focus on and where they decide to take the time jumps I don't know it just never quite finds its flow. And one of the things I was particularly disappointed about, to be honest, was the characterization of Napoleon himself. So when we see him on the battlefield, he is absolutely amazing. He is totally in command and stuff like that. But it was the more dramatic scenes that I found were a bit off or something. Like I like if you had asked me to write down like, you know, a paragraph on like who Napoleon is, um, like you can do with any of like kind of the great characters of cinema. You could write pages and pages about like their psychology and stuff like that. I just found him very inconsistent and confusing and just very vague. Um, Like sometimes he'd just randomly have these outbursts like, but he gets horses and not me and stuff like that, which were quite immature. But then that kind of aspect of his character wasn't really consistent. And then there'd be moments where he's quite socially awkward as a character and then other times where he's like, you know, socially flourishing. So I just I just didn't really get exactly what they were going for. And I don't know if that's down to maybe the weakness of script or the weakness of like Whacking Phoenix's performance, possibly a bit of both there. Um, but I, I, you're not saying there could be something wrong with Walking Phoenix's performance, now, are you? I mean, he's a great actor, but I just didn't know exactly what he was doing in terms of this this character, exactly what he was going for. Now, if it is like big epic battle uh, scenes that you're looking for, I mean, this this reminded me a lot of um, Ridley Scott's last movie, well, second last movie, I suppose, if you count the House of Gucci one, but The Last Duel. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I'd really highly recommend it. Also very long movie, Serena, I warn you in advance, but it is worth it. I promise. Um, Because what Ridley Scott has kind of been doing with some of his more recent features, um, he's he's known for doing a few war movies, but um, in more recent times, he's kind of gone a bit anti-war in that he's showing these battles as very bloody and messy and random and chaotic and not like glamorous and idealised as would have been the depiction of war in say some of his earlier works and I found that transition like quite interesting and there are some scenes particularly one that's like set in snow which again really reminded me of Gladiator I suppose because you have like obviously that first uh, opening act set against snow which is absolutely fabulous Um, like that's a great great scene but even like the last battle which is obviously set at water I don't yeah. think that's giving anything away. We'd be well. We know how it goes. That, Abba have explained everything. Exactly. Um, that was a bit, I don't know, a bit lackluster or something. So, yeah, I don't know. I suppose like a little disappointing, unfortunately. I'm very overall. sorry to hear that. I really yeah. am. Because this it's takes an awful movie. lot of boxes uh, from director to cast to yeah. the action. It is good. It's just not great. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, who's it normally says that? Um, 
this football critic says, oh, that's good movies. Not, not a great movie. I don't know movie, anything though. about sport. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll trust your words. Eamon Dunphy. Over to, to you, Serena, and Bradley Cooper and these extraordinary lengths he has gone to to be on note for this Bernstein movie. <laughs> I like what you did there. Um, I, I sometimes when I hear these things, I wonder about actors and like, what are they doing? So he's in a movie for Netflix called Maestro. It's um, releasing in cinemas on the 22nd of November, but you don't have to wait very long until it's on Netflix. That'll be the 20th of December. It's about the legendary composer of the same name. And um, he had to direct a live six minute orchestra scene. And he's actually directing it. Yeah. So how long would you take? I mean, you're a musician. Yeah. And how long would you take to rehearse a great tour? A scene like that? Two or three years. (laughs) (laughs) Take six years. He was rehearsing. He's better than me. For six years, like where do you find... No, it's crazy. Where do you find the patience, the dedication? I understand, like, you know, maybe the week leading up to it, finally I'd be really nervous and go, okay, maybe I should start practising and, you know, I might binge for four nights straight. But he was obsessed though, wasn't he? He became really obsessed. Like everyone's talking about his physical transformation. They don't like the fact that he's portraying a Jewish man who has a large nose and they put the large nose on him. But, yeah, this, I mean, I think he's going to get an Oscar nomination for this role. I haven't seen it yet, but everyone's talking about the fact that this could lead to an Oscar but, yeah, he was talking to Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton fame and they were at an LA screening and he said he was really nervous for this scene because this scene was actually recorded live as well and he was um, with the London Symphony Orchestra. Right. But six years. But it's based on an actual scene from Bernstein from 1976, 1976. isn't it? Yeah, so he- and it's a recreation of th- those six minutes. Play by play. So he also had the tape that he could watch and you're putting extreme pressure on yourself and, yeah, six years. I can't wait, I have to say. It's kind of like that moment in the Freddie Mercury film where they go to uh, oh, Live wow. It. Now, that was the best part of that film. See, if, it were, if that hadn't been good, the whole thing would have fallen apart. Yeah, let's, like that film, it shouldn't have gotten, like it, it didn't know what it wanted to be. Yeah. Did it want to be a biopic or if, if it was just a music film, it would have been amazing because he was amazing at, you felt like you were watching Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it was amazing, age. wasn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. me, yeah. Um, well, I look forward to it because everything I've heard about the film sounds like it's really great. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen it yet, as I said, but I yeah. can't wait. It'll be in cinema Happy days. next week. Wow, good. And I'd say you should yeah. see it in a cinema as well and hear yeah. the sound yeah. because the soundtrack's supposed to be wonderful too. Also, um, the Oscars coming up, I, I kind of lost the the... the plot on this. I, I thought the Oscars were marred in controversy over who the presenter would be these days, but it's been the same lad for four years. Well, Jimmy Kimmel did it for a couple of years, then he took a break, and then he did it last year. Everyone quite liked what he did, and he's coming back. He actually won an Emmy for last year. I didn't know. His wife executive produced um, the Oscars as well. She's um, receiving awards in her own right as well. But, um, yeah, he's coming back and he's, Jimmy Kimmel, in his usual way, went, I've always dreamed of, of um, hosting the Oscars exactly four times. So that's what's going to happen. He's a funny man. He is. And actually, while we're talking Jimmy Kimmel, can I just throw in Paul Meskell? Yeah. Because he was on uh, Kimmel Live last night. All right. Yeah, he was talking about his film All of Us Strangers, which I cannot wait to see. It's releasing in December uh, uh, in the US, uh, 22nd of December. Dee and I were talking about this. We don't know if it's releasing here, this side of Christmas or the other side of Christmas. But Paul was fantastic talking about his film with Andrew. But then he was talking about his parents at the Oscars and how he actually left his mum to go off to the bar and she was sitting with the seat filler and then talking to Jimmy. Apparently the night he was on, Jimmy Kimmel's parents wanted to go to 
um, his talk show. So they could talk to Paul Meskell really? about being from Mayo. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, so I actually watched that this morning. He was so good. It's on YouTube if you just want to yeah. Google um, God, is that Meskel. thing a star? Really? He really is. And he still seems to be, like, he's sitting in that chair and he feels like, it feels like what you're getting in that chair is who you'd get at the pub. Like, just having a bit of a laugh and not taking this fame seriously. He's in it because he loves the acting and he's not letting it get to his head. Perfect. I like this um, husband and wife team thing. Yeah. There's a bit of that around. Tom Waits, his wife Kathleen, she manages him and kind of co-writes the songs as well, I How believe. How with that? If there were good songs, I'd have no trouble whatsoever. <laughs> um, John, John, John Prime, Fiona, gone now, sadly, but Fiona Whelan, his, his Irish wife again, looked after him. The huge effect on his career. So it seems to work, doesn't it? Yeah. Getting your wife and going. We look on that. Uh, a bit more reaction on YouTube, just to be clear on this. Um, let me see now. Yeah. Um, Tom, the show, you two are amazing. The show is amazing. But you can't say they are at the peak of their career anymore. Everything they're doing now, v- Vegas, the show, the Disney Plus show, is looking back no new material yeah well Atomic is a great track I think their new thing is great and Nostalgia sells it does it's huge I feel there's more gas in the tank with Bono I think he's the most driven person I've ever seen in, in the known universe. And I think there's there's still, there before the chapters to come, that's my, my gut reaction on that. Um, uh, loving the Moosehead, we'll try the raspberry beer. Can you please let us know where you can buy it? It's just independent. Yeah, uh, in independent off licences. So if you're looking at uh, Lilac Wines in Pittsburgh, Martins in Fairview, uh, Redmond's in Ranelagh down in Cork, um, Matson's or um, Bradley's North Main Street would be good places to go. But yeah, uh, uh, look. Okay. They're, they're good and Elaine says, little nugget. Did you know Ridley Scott directed the iconic Hovisad? We did know that, didn't we? Yes, it was distinct. Back in 1973. There you go, yeah. He's 85. He's led an incredible career. Yeah. So that's why it's hard to like kind of fault him too much on this. Just, just something unfortunately didn't quite click. But you can't have a hit every time, you know? Well, yeah, I'm going to have to judge this for myself now, you know that. Um, the tuning of my box is ticked here. Um, when I hear a movie critic say films over 90 minutes are too long, it's not good. A great movie needs time and two hours should be the least time it takes. Mm. I don't know, I've seen many. I think for whatever reason, romantic comedies, the go-to running length now seems to be an hour, 50 minutes or even over two hours. And I'm like, it depends on the genre, like in, ter- like in fairness, because like for, you know, a historical epic, if it needs to be over two hours, fair enough. But there are lots of comedy, uh, sorry, there are lots of movies which according to their genre, you don't need, a, a, say, a romantic comedy that's yeah. over 90 minutes, you know? And if you have a good editor, that's why you need a good editor, a good producer in there going, we can cut this bit and this bit. Usually, the like Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah, three hours and twenty six minutes. No need for that. They could have. It could have been yeah. more succinct. And you need I, a toilet break and an intermission with a film that long. Yeah, but then I feel that that wrecks the flow. Like if you're going to do something that long, yeah. make a mini series. You're there for the afternoon. No question about that. Movies and booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk. The text for you, Dean Tom. I'm painting a hall, stairs, and landing in Tala here, and just got a waft of blueberries with Dean describing that here. <laughs> <laughs> Mad stuff, Ted. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Al, for that. Um, our second movie is from the guy we talked to yesterday. Ken Wardrop was in yesterday on the show, and it's called So This Is Christmas, and this is a clip from it. Christmas spirit. It's something you have to feel. And um, most of the time, I don't. Mm, sorry. A 
can't say I dislike Christmas. But it's a huge fuss for 24 hours. The jacket stuffed? Yes, please. Cards wrapping paper a honey rate. But everything is much more expensive this year. I just put up the Christmas tree to fit in with everybody else. If I didn't pop a tree, it would be just like another time to me now. Did you know Christmas was cancelled? It's because I told Santa it's good and he died laughing. Very good. So I'm almost nervous now turning to you, Deirdre, because uh, this also has high expectations and great reviews. So tell me more. Oh, it's just lovely. Although, to be honest, I found it to be a bit of a tearjerker, but just because it's so touching and so viscerally real, you know. Uh, Ken Wardrop, for people who aren't kind of familiar with his work, he would have previously done his and hers. I feel like a lot of people have seen that movie and it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Making the Grade is a really sweet documentary as well. He's also done one called Mom and Me. And basically, so This Is Christmas is set in this kind of um, small uh, rural Irish town. It doesn't really specify exactly where it is. And it follows a number of individuals as they uh, relate how they are planning on spending the Christmas holidays. And uh, basically, the overall reflection is that Christmas is unfortunately not the most wonderful time of year for a lot of people for many it's a very challenging time it's a challenging time it's a time for uh, grieving it can be a time of loneliness and just general kind of you know struggle to make ends meet Uh, one of the uh, people who are interviewed for example is a young single mother of three children we see her literally counting every cent um, that's going in and out of her account uh, when she's going to get petrol when she's doing the food shop at one point she just breaks down you Uh. know crying on camera saying she doesn't know how she's going to make it through Christmas. Um, Elsewhere we follow a young widower who has two sons who are going to be now facing their very first Christmas without their mum which is very sad. Uh, We follow a middle-aged single woman who is a recovering anorexic and she reflects on how Christmas is so orientated around food that that's obviously going to be an absolute uh, nightmare for her but I mean there there's some like humour in here and some uh, joviality I suppose as well. Uh, we see a priest taking call from Santa kind of showing off to a class of young students. Um, if you watch the trailer there's this little bit where there are these kids preparing for nativity and the teacher advises uh, Joseph to help Mary in case she drops the baby. <laughs> so there are little moments like that um, there's another scene I loved where a man is uh, plucking this turkey uh, while he's on the phone while he's on the phone and it, the scene just cuts to these other turkeys who uh, appear to be watching their friend in absolute horror I don't know if that's just me projecting but it was just there's some great uh, moments like that like Ken Wardrop at, at this point in his career he absolutely knows what he's doing in terms of just getting the tone right in terms of getting the pacing right so this is just a really gorgeous feature and Serena you'll be delighted to hear under 19 minutes. I've, I've seen it and I loved it. You're right. It came in at the perfect length. Yes. It's just so heartwarming, isn't it? It really is heartwarming but like just... And just, sad. It is sad as well. Yeah, but I mean, I was kind of watching this thinking, you know, we watch so many of these schmaltzy, cheesy Christmas movies where everything is absolutely like la-di-da, happy-go-lucky and everything like works out perfectly. The reality of Christmas for a lot of people is that it is hard and it's it, there's something just really refreshing about seeing a movie that kind of... Um, um, you know, shows all of that, but also isn't kind of like lost in despair either. It just feels kind of very, very real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my favourite is always a, a film about some American family and the dad is hoping to get his bonus, but his boss is really holding out on the most. He's hoping to put in a swimming pool for the kids if he gets the bonus. And then it's, they have to actually kidnap the boss to try and get the bonus out of it. It's very moving. Very <laughs> <laughs> what is that? 
film. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it sounded vaguely familiar. <laughs> yes, um, we had Ken in yesterday. He's he's a he's kind of a lovely man. He was telling the story as his grandmother. She died on Christmas Day, so uh, so Christmas Day had this other dimension to it in their in their family. It was just kind of how are we going to get through this every year? And then his own mum passed away this year, so so it's it's, it's emotional for him in loads of different ways. Mm-hmm. And you can you can really feel that emotion uh, coming through. It's just it's just such a gorgeous mo- moving movie. Um, kind of reflecting on the difficulties of getting into you know the so called Christmas spirit. How Christmas is not necessarily the most wonderful time of the year. Um, but there is a lot. Of of hope in it as well. Like one of the common themes that I noticed running throughout this film is that they are doing it for the kids. Yeah. And there was just something so beautiful about that. It's a really, really um, sweet movie. So I'd really encourage Would you be people sending people to, to this because he was saying it, it's a limited run. It's only in mm-hmm. cinemas for a short time. Yes. So move tomorrow, isn't it? It's, exactly. it's in cinemas tomorrow. Go see it. Yes. Take the opportunity. Uh, you've loads of little Netflix stories for us, don't you? There's uh, <laughs> Wednesday is, I was stunned this by this. It's going to be filmed in Ireland. It is. But so it's, it's, their, it's one of their biggest success stories. Yeah. Yeah. So this was filmed in, um, was it Romania? Yeah, it was filmed in Romania. At first season, and apparently um, their uh, uh, tourism increased yeah. by 150%. Wow. Just because of Wednesday. So we're hoping that the same thing happens. Like, Ireland's already a place that a lot of tourists want to come to, but when it's just, it's like Game of Thrones and people going up to Belfast, they want to go and see where Game of Thrones was, was filmed. So the second season is coming here. It's based on the Adams family, isn't it? Yeah, it's... yeah. So did you see it when I was yeah, my daughter, Yeah, my daughter was yeah. Was a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, it really took off. It was like it was one of the most successful um, series on Netflix, and it's it's just going to be huge, I think, for Irish tourism and people interested. I was I also taking great locations around Ireland. Yeah. For Where do you think they filmed? Well. Yeah. So I was trying to figure it out. Is it Wicklow? Do you think they'll go down there? I mean, uh, the, the the thing maybe is, they around, have so many options. Yeah, they know? want yeah. kind of gothic stuff, don't they? So maybe around Kong or something like that could be possibilities yeah. well Kong down the, the west okay yeah don't worry um, <laughs> and also I see Moana is getting the live action treatment now does that live action treatment thing work is that good I I genuinely I don't usually like it now look this this people are going to go this isn't new news because it was announced earlier in the year but um, Dwayne Johnson was on Jimmy Fallon and he actually said we're doing it, that is going to be his next project. And he got up and did a whole cheesy thing of you're welcome with Jimmy Fallon. And so, yeah, so hopefully if they're filming next year, hopefully in the next couple of years we'll have a... I don't know why I'm saying hopefully because sometimes yeah, no. I think pe- things should just be left animated. I can't animated. believe they're doing it. I'm telling yeah. the truth, but go on. Good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> we say to them. Sadly, we're out of time today. So <laughs> thanks to Serena Dean and Deirdre for everything today. Movies and Booze on Moncrief with Marks and Spencer on News Talk.